Time to go stateside, catch up with our US correspondent on a Tuesday morning out of Washington, D.C., where the temperatures suddenly dropped. Amy Thaler. Morning, Amy. Good morning, BK. Yeah, it was fresh to say the least this morning. It was a whopping five and a half degrees Celsius this morning when I woke up. Time to turn the heater on, I think. Ooh, battle down the hatches. Maybe winter's on the way, eh? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, you've got some interesting stories to share with us today, and you've got some stats on mental health. No, actually, no stats. Last week was way too heavy into economics and statistics, and, you know, combine that with what's going on with Israel, um, and that's just done my head in. So I have an ag story with a mental health twist. Okay. But it actually starts, it starts in the Netherlands with the National Federation of Care Farms, which is a government-funded program that has developed a certification program replete with handbooks and communication and training programs. Now, the Netherlands is home to more than 1,300 care farms. But I'm guessing you're wondering, what the heck is a care farm, yeah, farm right? Yeah, yeah, what's a care yeah. farm? Well, <laughs> yeah. well, it's a farm, Natch, that provides a place for people to connect with nature, to leverage the physical, and most importantly, the mental health benefits of working in the outdoors. The theory is based on several studies that is nature that nature-based activities like gardening and farming, especially done with others, can improve one's mood and reduce anxiety. Care farms are not yet classified as a form of healthcare, but it has been shown to provide support to seniors and people with learning disabilities. And considering that 60% of residents in rural communities lack mental health resources, care farms could be a very real benefit. So an official care farming network in the U.S. has been created and lists farms across the nation, including two in Indiana, one in Iowa, one of your favorites or Mark's favorites, (laughs) right? Nine in Ohio and 10 in Michigan, Michigan of all places. So it also received a grant from the USDA to expand the network. Care farming comes in many different forms. Some focus on mental rehab and topics like grief, anxiety, and other mental challenges, while others employ people with disabilities. All gain therapeutic benefits through working in the outdoor environment, and the network helps farms identify their form of benefit, as many don't actually even realize they're doing the work. And I thought that could be an interesting idea for New Zealand. It's not a bad idea, actually, is it? Really? Care farms. Yeah, care farms. Love it. Love it. Now, you've got another quite unbelievable story from a, a new column you've just you've just introduced. <laughs> yeah, I think it should be called from the I shit you not chronicle. So, right. uh, you know, I'm going to try and do this without losing the plot. So U.S. Custom and Border Protection made an important seizure last week, as it was reported, and at the Minneapolis International Airport. A woman returning from Kenya declared on her form that she had giraffe feces, which she was going to make into a necklace. (laughs) Although I'm guessing that she didn't use the word feces. Apparently she's done this before with moose. I'm going to use the word poop. Yeah. Yeah. She lives in Iowa. So I'm wondering, did Mark ever run into her? I mean, there can't be a lot of women running around Iowa with a moose poop necklace. And I imagine it's a real talking point on a date, eh? 
Make, <laughs> making jewellery from, from poo. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but, okay, I digress. Back to the very serious issue of that or at hand. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's not a bracelet. Anyway, yeah. the CVP field ops director of the Chicago field office said that bringing fecal matter into the U.S. presents a very real danger. Oh. And that had she not declared it, she could have contracted a disease and developed a very serious health issue. But, you know, that statement does make me wonder about a couple of things. First, did CBP think to ask for the moose necklace back? I mean, <laughs> she still has the moose. Like, what happened to the moose necklace? And second, maybe they should have referred her to the care farm in Iowa, because that's where she lives, <laughs> right, for some, mental, for some mental health support. Uh, and in case you're wondering, BK, Ruminant animal feces do, does require a special permit for entry into the U.S., you know, for future reference hey, sure, for your I'll, next trip to Kenya. I'll remember that. Surely <laughs> she could just go to a local zoo, and if they've got giraffes, say, can I just have a bucket full of that, that, that stuff? But, oh, yeah, right. well, okay. you know, clearly you're a lot smarter than she. Well, so. we'll end this week with a story about solar sheep. What's this one, Amy? Yeah. All right. So I read an interesting piece about a trial an energy company in Virginia, not far from me, actually, is doing. Typically, in Virginia, you're going to find chickens by the millions, turkey by the millions, and like one and a half cattle raised in Virginia. Um, but now you can find about 107 sheep and lamb. And this flock is now grazing on a solar farm. And they're actually getting paid to do it as opposed to paying to graze the, the flock themselves. It's a new idea being tested out by Dominion Energy. It's a pilot program running on six sites. And the results are so positive, they're seeking proposals for more. The sheep are doing their part. They're reducing operations and maintenance by half at the moment. And it looks like that's going to increase to more like three quarters. Turns out they are well suited for the work as they fit really nicely under the solar units. And they don't chew on wire or jump on the panels like the goats. So... No bad sheep here. Oh, All right. That's enough. I, you can go now. Obviously, the drop in temperatures affected you. <laughs> Have a great week, and we'll, we'll talk next week. Thanks, BK. Have a good one. It's Amy Thaler, our, uh, our U.S. correspondent out of uh, Washington, D.C. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.